0: You're listening to Halfway There, episode number 284, Carrie Bartkus and the friendship of Jesus. He is a good friend. Hey, friends, before we get the show started today... I want to tell you about one of my new favorite podcasts and I want you to just go and check it out. The show is called the 10 minute Bible hours hosted by Matt Whitman. And I'll tell you what, the reason I love this show, if you feel like you need to cram an hour's worth of Bible study into 10 minutes because your life is just so busy, this is the podcast for you. 10 minute Bible hour is a lot of fun. Matt is an engaging teacher and he just goes through scripture. So the ones that I listened to recently, uh, he was going through the book of Matthew, went over it and it was funny and it was fun to listen to. And it was just like this little dose of Bible right in the middle of my day. It tries to be around 10 minutes, but it's not always Friends, you can go to the TMBH for the 10 Minute Bible Hour The TMBH to get the show. And there you can find links to their YouTube channel or to find it in your favorite podcast app. Hey, let's get this show started. Friends, welcome back to Halfway There. This is the show where we have honest conversations with ordinary Christians about today's Christian experience. I'm excited for this conversation. Friends, as always, if you enjoy it, and I, of course you will, I know you will, I did, uh, go ahead and uh, share this episode with a friend. Like if you just hear something, I don't know if you use the Overcast app, that's my favorite podcast app, although I recently rediscovered stitcher, whatever, wherever you are in the overcast app, you can just grab a snippet, which I think is super cool. Grab 30 seconds or a minute, text that out, share it on social media, tag me. I'd love to hear from you and hear, uh, how, how this episode is encouraging out there. That would be awesome. All right, guys today, our guest, she's a spiritual director. You guys know, I love spiritual directors. Um, she walks with women during times of grief or heartache. I'm sure there's a story to that. Our guest is Carrie Bartkiss. Carrie, welcome to Halfway There.
1: Hi, Eric. Thank you so much for having me today.
0: Thanks for being here. I'm excited to kind of get to know you. And you're a podcaster too, are you not?
1: I am, yes. My podcast is called Let's Encourage One Another. And it is about caring for those that are hurting. And so, yeah.
0: I feel like that's super biblical.
1: Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Very powerful. That's good. Well, I love that. So we will, let's get, let's get into that, but I want to go back. Let's just like jump w- way back and we'll come back up to kind of where you are today. So um I don't, we just kind of met, so I don't even know like what part of the world you are. Where, where are you?
1: Yeah. So I am in Northeastern Indiana, kind of halfway between Fort Wayne and Indianapolis.
0: Okay. All right. Very good. That's, that's the land of the tenderloin. You can get yes. a good tenderloin over there, right?
1: <laughs> Absolutely. Home of the tenderloin.
0: <laughs> that's one thing. Uh, <laughs> do you want to hear a weird story? One time. So when my wife was pregnant with our first kid, we lived in Chicago, which not far, right? Like it's really not far, but she craved a tenderloin because we grew up in Iowa. Couldn't get them. We couldn't find one anywhere, but we could find lots of uh, Italian sausage sandwiches. So that had to do the trick. Anyway, well, Indiana. Interesting. I've been coming across a lot of people from Indiana recently. So that's, that's good. What was it like for you growing up in Indiana? And was it a Christian family or what was it like?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So grew up Christian family, uh, grew up going to church. It was me and my sister and one of my brothers living kind of in our house. And then we had two other brothers that lived with their mom. Um, but we grew up going to, to a really small church, maybe like less than 50 people. And I'm actually back at that church today. So it's kind of fun to see how everyone's kind of, we've all grown up <laughs> um, and just things get passed along. But yeah, just kind of grew up in a small town, nothing too, like no big city, just a small town. And I'm actually still kind of in that area in what I would call a village outside the town. So maybe like a thousand people live in our little tiny town.
0: <laughs> so it's corn country.
1: Yes, corn country. Tell me
0: about, so you grew up with a Christian family, small town, Indiana. Was it, was when did your, what was your experience of faith like as a kid? And what was that, how did that kind of become your own?
1: Yeah, so... You know what? In my eyes, Jesus was just always there and he was just a friend for me. And so just growing up, I was a very quiet kid. Um, I'm actually a twin. And so I grew up with my sister there with me. We're kind of like best friends just growing up. But both of us were very quiet. And just from my perspective, Jesus was also just always there and he was just a friend for me. Mm. And it really wasn't until maybe I was in middle school or like early high school where I began to show that more to other people and so they could recognize that. And just really had a love for the Bible and learning the Bible and, you know, made that public declaration of, hey, I want to follow Jesus. Uh, Kind of in a funny way, we had some, some family friends that served as musicians that would travel around and sing these different concerts at churches. And so they were at our church giving a concert and their last song was their altar call, which was just as I am which is a very special song, (laughs) but they started singing that. And I'm just kind of sitting there um, next to my sister kind of towards the front. My parents are kind of behind me and I just, I just start weeping and I have no idea why Um, my mom kind of taps me on the shoulder behind me. She's like, do you want to go forward? I'm just kind of like shaking my head. Like, yes, I want to go, but I didn't know why, why I needed, why I felt compelled to go forward. And so I'm up there on the altar bench and you know, the pastor's in front of me and he's like, do you want to accept Jesus? And I was like, Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> um, but to me, you know, he, he was always there and, and I believed in him, but just, that was the the time where it became a very public thing where um, I felt compelled to go forward and say, Hey, this is, this is who I am and I love him and, and he loves me and we're going to do this. And so it was kind of strange, but just a very powerful moment.
0: Sounds like an emotional moment for you.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And it's hard when you didn't have any words and you're this very quiet kid, like yeah, I'm up in front of everybody and I don't know what I'm doing on this tier.
0: <laughs> Your mom knew you though. She she knew what you were thinking. She that's good. What, yeah,
1: I'm thankful for her. That's helpful. that's that
0: really cool. I love that. <laughs> okay, so fascinating. Um, yeah, I'm I just love stories like that. It's always interesting to me how people find or, or make that choice for themselves. What where it is, there's, there's some interesting heritage, you know, with the altar call too, right? Like in right. America, it fascinates me how we're still influenced by things like that, even though we have no idea. And so, uh, cool. So I guess I was in middle school and so you were growing up and then like when, at some point, usually your face starts just to become your own a little more, like you're, you're learning, I call it learning the way of Jesus, right? So you're learning kind of how that, what that's like, your practices and whatnot. What was that like for you?
1: Yeah, I would say that time came mostly in high school. Um, we had we had an interim pastor when I was in middle school or high school, somewhere around there. And you know, up until then, I really didn't pay attention during the sermons. You know, they just kind of they didn't catch my attention and I wasn't listening in that way. But when he spoke, like for some reason it just grabbed my heart. And I remember there's a specific passage that he was reading about you know, from Deuteronomy chapter one, how God was calling his people. You know what? He said, you've you've stayed at this mountain long enough and it's time for you to break camp and move on. Mm -hmm. And I don't remember anything else about that that message, that sermon, but just for whatever reason, this interim pastor, he had the the gift of making the Bible come alive for me. And so as I entered into high school, like I I love to learn anyway. And so I already knew a lot of the Bible stories. I could tell you a lot of the trivia, but like, I just had that hunger for God's word. And so I was just in that a lot. And just really trying to live it out the best way that I could in a public high school, you know, just, you know, being nice to everyone. And, you know, if someone's not nice to me, just kind of trying to shrug it off or watching out for those kids that are feeling lonely or hurt and just kind of saying, hey, and smelling at them and, you know, letting them know that I see you and you matter. And I may not be good friends with you, but I still see you.
0: Mm, that's that's a really special ministry, actually, in high school, right? Somebody needs to do that.
1: Yes, yeah, a lot of hurting kids. Uh, what
0: a, yeah. What an interesting uh, application. I like that. Um, okay. So I wanted to go back to something that you said a moment ago about you kind of always sense Jesus as a friend, like, which maybe is just a part of growing up as a kid in a Christian family. But what does that, what does that mean? And kind of did it, has it evolved or changed at all? Or has it, I'm sure it's deepened and there's, you know, lots of that, but let us into that a little bit.
1: Yeah. So when I say that, I feel like growing up, I just always kind of felt him there with me. Like I couldn't explain it. I just felt like I wasn't alone, um, and that I always mm-hmm. kind of had someone to talk to if I needed to talk. And again, quiet kid, so didn't talk a whole lot to to other people. But just kind of felt like, like he was there. And if I needed something, I could just say, "Hey, I, I need yeah. some help with this." And yeah, growing up, that has definitely deepened. I feel like I just kind of talked to him throughout the day and hey, Jesus, I'm having a hard time with this today. I really need your help. Or God, thank you so much for that. That was awesome. I never expected to see that or, you know, whatever it is. It's just that, that friendship and that conversation with him that I can talk to him about all the little silly things going on every day. And I can talk to him about the big stuff that's weighing down my heart. And it's all the same because he's just, he's my friend.
0: Yeah. I think that's super cool that you've had that forever. I think that's really, that's really neat.
1: It's definitely a grace. Like I don't, take yeah. that for granted because I know that's not everyone's experience at all. And I don't know why it was that way for me, but I, it was, and I'm very thankful for that.
0: Yeah. That's special. That's interesting. So, yeah. So I love that you use the word experience. That That is your experience. Cause obviously that's what we do here. We talk about that experience, right? Like, um, very cool. So, all right. As, after high school, where'd you go? What happened?
1: Yeah. So I went to college, I went to a Bible college and, I majored in communication and minored in Bible because that's what I wanted to do. (laughs) Um, Where did did you go? I went to Grace College. So still kind of the same area, maybe an hour away. Okay. Um, And then after that, I went on and got my master's degree in communication. And I taught public speaking classes for about 10 years um, at the college level. And I also started working in churches. And so my first job working at a church was at a much bigger church. Uh, what we would call a mega church around here. am about 3000 people and was serving yeah. as the communication team administrator there. And so I got to use not just project management for my team, but also writing and editing because that's what I love to do. And then a little bit after that, after I got um, after I got pregnant with my daughter, I decided I want to move back home a little bit more um, so my family could be around to help. And so I started working at a smaller church of maybe 150 people as their office manager. And then as I was working there, the time came where they had enough kids that they wanted a children's ministries director too. And I'm like, it took me a little bit to like volunteer for that. But I'm like, I kind of think I want to do that, too. (laughs) And so I started doing both roles for a little bit. And then when I got pregnant with my son, I I dropped the office manager and so on. So I have like 10 years public speaking class Mm. that I taught. And then then during the same time, also 12 years of church ministry experience.
0: Oh, Yeah. So podcasting is probably like a natural thing for you because you're, you're a communicator.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It was a very good fit. And I didn't think about it right away, which was kind of funny, but like a friend's like, have you ever thought about starting a podcast? I'm like, Oh yeah, that would make sense. (laughs) It's like a good idea,
0: (laughs) man. I love podcasting for just the ability of anybody to hop on. Right. And just get, get a show and share. Um, Okay. So We mentioned in in the kind of beginning that uh, you're a spiritual director, so nobody comes to spiritual formation without something happening, right? So, how did you discover spiritual formation as a as a passion?
1: Yeah, so I think a lot of it just kind of grew over time as I was leading different Bible studies or working with the kids in churches or you know, small group leader for youth group. I've always been involved in some way, Um, different ages, different groups, different times, but. Just always, you know, wanting to help people grow in their own experience of God and their knowledge of His Word and just who He is, and just help them kind of facilitate that a little bit more, and um, kind of grew into that more as a children's ministries director since that was kind of my my job, my responsibility to lead yeah. these kids, you know, <laughs> and like just wanting to make sure that I'm not just teaching them Bible verses that they can, you know, stick in their mind and remember whenever, but to teach them that there's actually a God behind it all and that his stories are true and what he says is true and what he says he will do, he will do. And just all of that. And so it really became the most important for me when I was teaching this kid because they were looking up for me. They couldn't, you know what? They weren't the adults who can kind of think through it on their own. Um, they were just kind of trusting me. And that meant a lot to me. It was, it was a good burden to carry.
0: Yeah so were there were there some um so I love I love your approach to that by the way, because it is super important what we're teaching our kids and how we're um showing them and demonstrating to them what life with God is about and I put it that way on purpose because it could be what coming to church is about right? right but really, what I want my kids to learn is how do I interact with the Lord through Bible stories through prayer whatever it is through giving whatever but I want that framing for, for them. It sounds like that you kind of were doing that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I was, it was when I was working as a children's ministries director that I, I took some training on spiritual formation specifically and spiritual direction with children, uh, which was oh, really wow. fun. And, and I used my daughter cause we had to practice with someone right throughout. <laughs> so I practiced with my daughter, some of these things that we were going through and just kind of sat with her through that. And it was just, it was such a good, precious time. Like there's not always this big, like aha moment for everyone every time, which is okay. I mean, I think a lot of us expect that, but yeah. it's just that tender moment of just sitting there and just sitting with her and with Jesus. And we're just, this is what we're talking about. And how are you experiencing today? And what do you want to talk to him about and things like that. And so I think that's where a lot of the, the training part of it came was when I was working as the children's ministry director, because I wanted to make sure that I was doing a good job and I was interested in it, not just for the kids, but for myself.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And so I have so many thoughts because I think that's so true. Like I consider that those like, those are really holy moments, right? When you, when you're sitting and listening and talking with someone and inviting Jesus, I mean, Jesus is always there obviously, but, but listening to him as well and letting him be part of the conversation is really, I think it's, it's undervalued, you know, but it's really unique in a children's ministry role. I think yeah, it's not. What do I know? I don't know if I'm that uh, connected to a lot of children's ministry directors, but it seems like it is, would be my impression.
1: Right. Yeah. I would agree. I think a lot of us kind of shy away from that. And I don't, I don't know why, um, but it was just, it was fun to see. Cause even though I practiced with my daughter, like I still had other moments when I was able to sit with other kids too. And just how much they look forward to that time, just to sit with an adult they trust and mm. come to God together and just be able to share, like, they look forward to that and like, that they're hungry for it. And yet so many of us don't stop. And like, even as parents, we don't always stop and sit for five minutes with our kids and just be together, you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think that's an interesting side effect of what's happening right now with technology. Like it's, it's just easy to distract yourself from everything else. Right. And so that kind of personal attention is even rarer than it was when I was a kid. Right. Like that's, I'm a Gen Xer, so we, nobody paid attention to us, but that's like, that's a, that's absolutely there. And I think that's an interesting insight. Um, like it's interesting for kids on the the spiritual journey has a spectrum, right? There's, there's these stages. They're not linear necessarily, but you go through them. But even as kids, you probably saw stages that you would want to lead them through. What was that like? How did you think about that?
1: Yeah. So on my end, I think it was just always encouraging them to come close to him, no matter what that looked like for him, for them. And so, you know, if they were new to God and just experiencing him and maybe they had come from a home where it's just, you know, we're going to read a Bible story and do a prayer and it's good and that's it. Or maybe they didn't even have that. It's just, it's just trying to introduce them to different ways. To come close to him and, and encounter him. And so it was looking at each child where they're at and what interests they had and maybe what gifts they had and just saying, Hey, you are really good at building Legos. Maybe after our story today, would you want to sit with some Legos for a little bit and just sit mm. and, and build those together with God and see if he has anything to say to you today? Or, you know, it, instead of like giving them yeah. a craft and saying, we're going to build this thing that represents our story today. So you can take it and show it to your parents to, to prove that we actually did a Bible story today. It's they never had anything to take home. Right. It was they're building with Legos or they're, or they're doing some art project oh. on their own. There's nothing like directed toward them. It's just, let's sit with God and just want you to spend time with them doing what you like to do and, and see what happens.
0: I love that because here's the reality, that little, that string and piece of paper and glue or whatever is going in the trash, like the moment, or it's going to be in the back of my car for, Six weeks and then it's going in the trash. Like so, maybe that's not. I get it. I get what they're trying to do. Right. but
1: There's some value to that, but <laughs> it's not always the best way.
0: Interesting. Yeah. All the stuff I've thrown away over the years. Okay. So that's fascinating. I really love that you that you got into spiritual direction through children's ministry. That I've never heard that story before. That's really cool. Yeah. So what? Okay. But then, but then we talked about uh, in in our beginning. You said your spiritual director who walks women through times of grief or heartache. So that didn't come from nowhere. So where, tell me, tell me that story.
1: Right. So over, over the 12 years that I was working in church ministry, and even when I was a college instructor, you know, I would see people who were struggling and going through hard times. And I often saw that the church fell short in my opinion of reaching out to them. And so for example, maybe one person, in the church got cancer and so you know what we're going to add them to the prayer list and we're going to pray for him which is awesome um but that was it and then maybe someone else in the same church would get cancer but they not only got added to the prayer list we had special prayer meetings for them and their kids had child care taken care of and they had meals and they had drives to you know their appointments like they were like just bombarded with support so part of me just kind of sat back and asked why is our response so different Maybe that first person had other support that we didn't know about, but but it still seemed like I mean I saw it happen over and over and over again. Um, others that were getting hurt and just getting missed, and so maybe we knew someone was struggling with something, but we never asked him about it, and we never sat down and talk about it or say, "Hey, can I pray for you?" Like right now, can I sit down and pray for you? Um, and so that's it broke my heart, and I hated the idea that someone had to go through something like that on their own, and so. It's been a process over these past four years or so. I started my business um, in March of 2018, but it was really just, it was an Etsy shop as a way for me to sell a devotional that I had compiled. You know, all those years of writing for the church, I kind of just compiled some together and I put it in a devotional and put it on Etsy. You know what? Because that was the easiest way to get it out there for me. Um, But just over time, that has just grown to... You know, part of it was me rediscovering my love for art. And so I would start making cards for people that were going through hard times. And then I started making these tear bottles that I still sell today. just this, this little bottle representing that God sees your tears and he's there with you. And then this past fall moving specifically into that spiritual direction, because I know that that is, it's not just offering these things that I'm making. It's offering myself to sit with these women that are going through hard times. You know what? I don't want you to sit there and go through that alone. I want to go through it with you. And I want to sit with you in those hard places. And so um, back in in March, 2020, I stepped away from that children's ministries role because I really felt like God was calling me to to do that and to really go all in with this, um, with my business love does that. And I didn't know what it looked like at the time. And it was frightening because, you know, it's the pandemic and I can't see my kids and I'm not going to have a chance to tell them goodbye. And what are they going to think? They're going to think that I'm just abandoning them. And I had all these thoughts going through my mind, but I I knew that God was leading me through that Um, and just really trusted him. You know, if you're leading me to do this, I'm going to trust you to take care of stuff on my end. And I'm going to trust you to take care of those kids because you know what you're God and you can do that. And so that's kind of where that focus came from. of just seeing so many hurting people that were going through things alone.
0: Yeah. Which I'm sure that didn't get better in the pandemic, no, right? Like we're, no. all, we're all, have you, have you seen that? And what have you seen kind of the results of especially spiritual communities being separated throughout the pandemic?
1: I still see a lot of hurt and not, not only from like pandemics directed, like of course there's grief from losing loved ones and there's disappointment from not being able to do certain things that they wanted to do. Um, but just as a church community, like having that time away from each other, it was really hard. And it, it changed a lot of relationships. I think Um, it broke a lot of relationships because if you're not seeing people every week, you don't always stop to think to check in with them or to see how they're doing. Like it's um, some relationships are just in proximity to each other. So if you don't actually see each other, like the relationship isn't there. And I think we saw a lot of that when we weren't meeting because we weren't meeting you know and so we weren't around right. each other and so um i think there's a lot of brokenness a lot of hurt maybe a lot of misunderstandings because we weren't getting together and sharing life together and that was really really hard
0: yeah that's a really good way to put it some relationships are about being in proximity to one another i think that's so true with so many things right we so, sometimes when we have conversations about injustice as well i think same deal, right? Or like driving in Littleton, Colorado where I live, the homeless people on the people experiencing homelessness on the corner proximity, right? Like just like that causes me to have to think about what what am I doing for to help them or whatever what what do they need, right? Those kinds of conversations. Uh same thing with church, right? Like that's if we're not if we're not close, then we can't We can't, we may not have that. Interesting. Okay. So, so you've decided to step into the whole, like this spiritual, spiritual formation. What do you find is, I mean, obviously besides, besides just like being with somebody to, to help them, what do people need most when they're going through a season of grief?
1: Yeah. I I think one of the biggest things is just knowing that somebody cares and that shows up in a lot of different ways. And I think a lot of times we think it has to look a certain way of my friend is hurting. My friend is grieving. I'm going to take her meals and I'm going to watch her kids for an hour. And I'm going to do all this stuff for her, which is, it's so very good. And so I don't want people to hear that. That's not good because they do need that kind of support, but they also need, they need friends who are willing just to sit there with them and not feel like they have to say anything. Like just be, be present through that and acknowledge some of the loss they are experiencing in all the different ways. Because if it's the death of a loved one, there's also the death of all the future memories that they were gonna make with that person um, or just all these opportunities that they lost or so many different things. And so it's just sitting there and being present with them in that mm. moment and saying, you know what, it's okay to hurt right now. Um, and it's okay to be mad or it's okay to be sad or it's okay to be frustrated. Just whatever it is that you're feeling right now, it's okay. You don't have to have it all together. And
0: I find it really interesting that that's, uh, that you even mentioned doing that for some of your classmates as in high school. Like this is something that's, that's kind of just part of who you are.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, maybe God wired me that way to kind of see things differently.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Well, to see people, right? Like that's To
1: acknowledge them because they are, uh, I think it's easy for us to overlook people, especially the ones that we're not, Mm. we're not, we're not similar to. Ones that are different from us. It's just, it takes a little bit more effort for us to see them and recognize them, but like we're all made in God's image. And because of that, we're all worthy of respect at least. You know, if nothing else, like I acknowledge that God made you and he has his image in you. And I want to see God in you. Like, I want to see what that looks like. And so just acknowledging their worth and their values is really important to me.
0: Yeah. See, I love that because that's really a kingdom view of the human being, right? I think we see Jesus do this all the time. That You know, the f- religious leaders and the Pharisees were very concerned about how people behaved in the rituals. And I understand why they did that. I think sometimes the evangelical church does the same thing, um, which is troubling, I guess, in some ways. But the kingdom view, the way that Jesus shows up is it doesn't like if you're willing to come, you're OK. Right. Like come, come because you're accepted and you're already loved. So it makes me crazy when we have songs that or sermons or whatever talk, that talk about deserving lover. I don't deserve love. You can't do that because the moment you introduce deserve, deserve to love, it's no longer love. Mm-hmm. It's earning. You either are loved or you aren't. Right. Right. And so I hear you saying, well, they're, they're people that God loves. And so I must love them too.
1: Yeah. And, and I say that, and that's definitely what I aspire to. I'm not perfect. Like there's definitely oh, sure. people that I have a hard time <laughs> seeing that we way. We all do. Yeah. But if we just kind of keep that that idea in our heads that you know God made them, like God is in them somehow and just trying to find that and and value that and just see see their worth. I think that's really important for us to do.
0: Yeah. And I love that friends. If you're, if there's somebody that you need to see, or even if you just like take, take a moment, just ask the Lord, do this. I, I know that he'll answer this. Ask the Lord, who do I need to see today? And then, when he shows you that person, you'll know, and then just see them and do whatever comes to mind. And even if it's a friendly say hello or buying their Starbucks or whatever it is, I don't know what it is. You'll, you'll know and, uh, and do that because you might have a kingdom impact. You just never know. Okay. Carrie, I want to ask you, um, has anybody, when's, when's the time when somebody has sat with you, has, has ministered to you this way?
1: Yeah. So I have, I've gone through several difficult seasons. Like I've struggled with depression at times. Um, I have been through a divorce, been single parenting for a couple of years before I got remarried. And so there have been lots of seasons where I have had struggle and heartache and I'm just a really hard time. And, and most of that was, you know, I needed time to be on my own and really just sit with the Lord and figure that out. Like I actually, I pushed people away when I probably didn't need to, Um, but I know there are definitely moments when I was in college or shortly after where maybe I had just experienced something that was really troubling to me. And I want to say, I I almost, I almost acted like it was like a PTSD kind of response. Like I just kind of like, I froze up and I got really anxious and like just kind of that kind of response. And I kind of freaked out a little bit. And there was one of my my friends at the church that I worked with who kind of saw that happen in this kind of, it was a very crowded room. Um, and kind of, he saw that happen and he kind of just gently guided me away into a different room where there weren't a lot of people and just kind of sat with me there mm. until I could like try and make sense of it all. And he, and he tried to ask me questions and I'm just like, I don't know, like, I don't, I don't know. And so we just kind of sat there and it just, it, it meant a lot to me that he was willing to do that, like mm-hmm. not have to have the answers because you know what, you want to fix it for people. So many of us want to fix it, um, but he couldn't. And, and I didn't know how to explain it. And so it was just, it was sitting there together and just waiting for that moment to kind of pass before I was ready to move on again. And, that, and I'm sure that happened several times, not, not in the same way. Um, other times it might've looked like um, a classmate my, my grandfather was killed in a car accident when I was in college and the, the year anniversary kind of came up. And for some reason, my, my classmate remembered that. And he didn't really sit with me in that moment, but he sent me an email and he said, Hey, I think tomorrow's a hard day for you. And I just want you to know that I'm mm. praying for you. And that was it. Like, that's all I, the, I, the fact that he remembered in the first place, but the fact that he, he cared enough to say, Hey, I think tomorrow's hard. I just want you to know I'm praying because that meant wow. I wasn't alone.
0: Yeah. Wow. That's really powerful. You started a podcast. (laughs) Tell me about what you do on your show. You're offering encouragement, but tell me what that's like and, and uh, what you're, what you're hoping to do with it.
1: Yeah. So again, my podcast is called let's encourage one another and it has a couple of different components to it. One is that I just want to train, train others to help care for their friends. Well, when they're hurting, because I feel like if we have a friend who's grieving or, We're struggling with depression, you know what? The first questions that come to mind are, what do I say to her? Or what do I what can I do for him? Like, what can I possibly do to help this feel better for him? Or like we we want all the practical answers of what does it look like for me to care for someone who's hurting right now? And so part of my podcast is really to help answer those questions and help people figure out this is something that you can do for your friend that might be meaningful for them. Or, you know, we're asking some of those questions of, well, what are you good at? Or what would be meaningful to your friends? And and what are your boundaries? And just how do you trust God to help you discern all of that? Because every situation is different. And so even though we both have friends that might be going through cancer, the way that we respond to both of them are going to be different based on their personalities, based on their needs, based on how serious it is. Like There's so many components that go into that. And so part of my podcast is just helping people think through that. And giving them very practical things to think about or or do for their friends. Um, but part of it's also just speaking directly to that to that woman that's hurting and going through the difficult season of just saying, hey, I see you. And um, introducing maybe some spiritual practices that she can do on her own, um, in her own time, just to draw close to God. Or, you know what, learning how to ask for help. Because when you're hurting, that can be one of the hardest things to ask for. You don't want to be a burden to someone else. Or, you know You feel guilty asking for help or so many things go through your mind. And so it's speaking to both audiences and just really trying to help us all learn how to care for each other. Well,
0: yeah, you know, what I love about that is that you, you would think it's not that hard, right? But it really is hard. It is hard to know sometimes.
1: Yeah. And again, I mean, part of it's part of it's a simple, Hey, just if nothing else just pray for them you know or say hi when you see him at church and check in and see how they're doing but but it is nuanced because again every situation's different and even if you were it, to like interact with me at different points of my depression like I would have needed different things at different points so even though right. like, it's just it's just staying close to god and saying hey god what can i do for her today and just paying attention to those sacred nudges from him and saying okay if that's what you want me to do i'll i'll do that
0: yeah yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, you know, I was gonna say we've been through uh, this is an unbelievable season. A lot of it's COVID. It's just other people. The last half of twenty twenty one was like unbelievable. As far as I've gone, whole decades without losing that many people in the family. Right? Like it was. It was wild. And I know we're not alone. A lot of us have have gone through that. It's just that's kind of where we are. Um, but it was fascinating to me. Sometimes there were there were times when you know, I wanted to talk to people at church and sometimes I didn't. Right. And so there was like absolutely being aware of, is this a encouraging conversation asking you to tell me all about it? And sometimes I want to talk about it. And sometimes I just want to sit in the back and just be angry about it. Right. Like that's sometimes that's what you got to do. So having a little discernment there and asking, you know, one of the, one of my favorite tools is just to ask permission. Right. Can I, can I, is it all right if I ask you about, or is it, you know, Um, I don't know. What, what kind of tools do you, do you encourage people to use?
1: Yeah. So asking permission is a big one. Um, Even as simple as, you know, is it okay if I sit next to you today or would you rather sit next, just kind of sit on your own? Because especially if they've lost someone that they go to church with, especially if it's a spouse, like they're used to sitting with their spouse in church. And so to have someone come in and sit with them, like in some cases it might be comforting, but in other cases it might feel like you're taking their spot. And so you want to be very respectful of that and just honor where they're at. And so asking permission, hey, can I sit with you? Or, hey, is it okay if I ask you about this? Or um, It's it's giving them the option to choose. And so, I mean, that's really the biggest thing. If you want to try to have coffee with them, hey, is it okay if maybe I bring coffee over on Tuesday and we'll just sit for an hour and we don't have to talk if you don't want to, but can I can I bring coffee over? Is that okay with you? Um, and honoring the response and respecting their, no, if they, if they say that they need time alone, then that's okay. I mean, I think a lot of us feel like we have to surround them all the time and we can't leave them alone because what would happen if we leave them alone in their grief, which right? again, I'm all about not letting people hurt alone. I understand that, but you know what? Sometimes we just need to sit with God or we need to sit on our own and just have that time and space to process and if we take that away for people, if we keep filling their calendars with stuff to do, of, hey, I'm going to sit with you on Tuesday, and this person's going to sit with you on Wednesday, and this person's going to do this on Thursday, like we don't give them the time that they need to really process what's going mm-hmm. on. And so just always asking them permission of, you know, can I do this? Or, hey, I heard that there's a support group. It might be helpful to you. I just want to share the information with you. And if you want to go, that's great. And if not, that's great too. Like just giving them the right to choose. Is so incredibly important and it's it's empowering for them because it 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 gives them kind of a sense of control. Like they mm-hmm. they are the ones that get to choose how they grieve and how they're gonna heal. And I feel like sometimes when we try to force people into into certain things, it just it never it never works well.
0: <laughs> no, right? Yeah. So that's a great word that you use, control, right? Because one of the problems, one of the things with grief is that you're not in control, right? Is, is you, you find out, you know, my sister-in-law died in October. We weren't, nobody was in control of that. Like there's just, it just happened. And so we have to go through that. Whether you want to or not, you know, there's a school shooting at my kid's school. I didn't get to choose that. Right. We have to go. And so you have to kind of, we, the part of grief is coming to terms with the fact that you're not, you don't get to choose everything in life. So, right. Giving giving people that option uh, is is an interesting interesting grace there. Mm-hmm. I think I'll put it that way.
1: Yeah, yeah. And it's I think part of that too is just honoring their process. You know what? Some people are ready to dive into the grief work right away, and just they have the time and space to do that. But others just they need more time, um, and it's going to be slower, and that's okay. Like it really is okay to let that person choose what it looks like for them
0: yeah and if they want to be alone, doordash is a great option. yeah you could just send, <laughs> send some cookies or whatever you know like that's that's uh possible. Um, Is there a practice as a spiritual director? and I know that everybody's gonna be different, but are there are there specific practices that you find help people with with grief?
1: I would say that there are at least two or three that are really helpful. Um one is journaling. And that might be more for the introverted person who likes to write, but I think everyone could really benefit from some some form of journaling of just journaling or reflection of just taking the time to, to stop and think about how are you really doing today? And um you know what what's hard about today? What are you missing today? What's good about today? And like just asking yourself some of those questions that um maybe we would we would just gloss over if we weren't intentionally making time and space for that. And so journaling is one really good practice for a lot of people because it it gives them something to do. Um, and they have that record of looking back to see kind of what their journey has looked like. Um, another one that has been really meaningful and powerful for me at different seasons of both grief and depression is it's what I call imaginative prayer. I think the technical term is mm-hmm. Ignatian prayer. Um, but yeah, it's just yeah. really just as you're reading the Bible, you're not you're not like doing a hardcore study of it. You're not just sitting there and reading it either though. Like you are, you're reading a a Bible story together with God and you're you're just trying to imagine what it was like being there or you're, you're kind of entering in as one of the characters of the Bible story. And a lot of people have a hard time with this because we've been taught to study the Bible and use our mind and use reason, which is good. Like God has given us a mind to reason, but he's also given us a mind to be imaginative and creative and And if we invite him into this process, he will lead us in the way that he kind of wants our imagination to go. And so there have been a lot of times where, you know, if I'm reading the story of the blind beggar sitting on the side of the road, just what that must've been like for him, not to, not to be able to see. And he just, he hears this crowd coming toward him. And he, and he hears that it's Jesus. And he just, he has this, he's compelled just to jump up and shouting Jesus' name because he knows that Jesus can heal him. And then when Jesus calls to him, he's like, all right, well, he can't see Jesus. So he has to trust the crowd to get him to Jesus and to stand in front of him. And then Jesus asks him, what do you want? And so when I'm doing this kind of imaginative prayer, I'm, just, I'm imagining that I'm the blind beggar and Jesus is standing in front of me and he says, what do you want or, or what can I do for you? And it's, what is that on my heart's desire? What would I say back to him in that moment? And just things like that are really powerful for me because it's, it's God's word. Um, and it's that encounter with God of just, he speaks to me through his stories, through his word. I mean, that's what it was meant to do. And so studying, it's very good, but finding a way to actually encounter him and engage with the story has been really powerful for me.
0: I love that. Yes. Okay. Ignatius of Loyola is one of my, one of my heroes because (laughs) I just think uh, I I did the exercises right after seminary, which was a great time to do that. Um, For just in daily life, but it was like, it was astounding. But um yeah, uh, practices like that, imagine a prayer are so powerful. And I can even just envision it as you're describing, right? I'm, I'm stepping into that, like, oh, what what would that have been like to not be able to see and then have Jesus ask you, what do you want? Like, oh, wow, that's interesting. Um, I love Lectio Divina for that as well, right? Yes. There's, a, there's a way, they kind of go hand in hand, but um there's a way that just, learning to meditate on scripture and let the Lord show you something instead of just try to parse the Greek which I can do you see my books so I could do I could do that with the best of them I got two degrees in that but there's another way of of stepping into it and actually, That's part of the journey. Where'd you learn that? Where, where, where did you, I mean, you're kind of introverted as anyway, so maybe you always (laughs) had that relationship, but how, how, where'd you, where'd you pick that up?
1: Yeah. So I learned it mostly through my spiritual direction with children class. Um, I did that with Lacey Uh, Borgo and she led us through some of those exercises together as a group. And, And then I heard about it on a couple of different podcasts that I was listening to at the time. I'm like, oh, and then as I started thinking more about it, like I, I love to read. And I just found myself naturally as I'm reading stories, like I enter into the story, you know, I'm the main character and whatever they're experiencing, I'm an experience. And, and it's a lot like that. Like, I felt like my experience reading this normal stories helped me when I was then reading the Bible. Only this time, of course, I'm inviting God into the process. And I'm saying, God, guide, guide this story reading for me and just help me to hear you and help me to see where you're showing up. And so that's kind of where it, where it started. I feel almost like I've always kind of done it just kind of, yep because that's how God wired me. But I know, again, a lot of people don't experience it that way. And so it's it's been really powerful when others have been able to enter into God's word that way.
0: Isn't it interesting even to for me to have you go, I kind of always did that, but then to turn it and apply it to scripture, right? And to go, oh yeah, this is actually a way that we can, because that was what was so brilliant about what Ignatius did and the way that he, because that's how he came to Christ, right? He like, was reading the life of Christ and was like, Oh, you know, So, uh, but anyway, I find that really fascinating to apply that into scripture and then how that kind of creates this richness, you know, for you in a way that maybe is new.
1: Yeah, definitely. And if you're, if you're grieving or going through a hard season, um, it can be especially powerful too, because sometimes we put these expectations of ourselves that I'm going to still spend an hour in Bible study every day, even though I'm grieving, even though I'm hurting when, when life doesn't make sense, like we try to make ourselves still study for like an hour and that's just, it's not always realistic. And it's not always kind to yourself either. Like sometimes you just need to sit with a story and sometimes it's the same story all week long. Like you're just kind of sitting with the same story and just maybe reading little bits and pieces of it and just thinking about it and seeing what parts God kind of highlight for you. And, and that's a good thing, like to sit with the story for a long time. I think that's really powerful.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, that expectation that you're talking about is so important because you know, you you may need different things in a season of grief or overcoming trauma or depression. Like it's okay. And there's actually God's people have been doing different things for for years. If you're an evangelical and you only learned one way to read the Bible and one way to pray, good news. God is present in a whole lot of other things. Yes as well. And you can, you can find him. And that's, this is why Jesus says seek and you'll find, right? Like you can just, you guys got to be open to it and it's okay to go after some of these, some of these other practices. Cause guess what? God, God was, he was still there, right? He's still there in the, in those seasons. I love it. Okay. Carrie, thank you. I appreciate you sharing all a all, little bit of your story and all these things. It's, this is my jam. This is where I love to to talk about. I want people to understand that no matter where they are even if they're in that dark night of the soul that god is with them and he will bring them through to the other side uh, and i think we your story illustrated that really well um where can people find you your your website is org. is that that's right that's right
1: yep yeah you can find just about everything there so
0: Yeah. And you mentioned your grief journal as well. They can get that. Where is that just on the, on the website? uh,
1: If you go to love does that.org slash grief journal. I do have a download there for you and there's 30 questions altogether that I just kind of list out for you. But then I also kind of organize it into like a daily sheet and then like a couple of weekly sheets. So you don't have to do every question every day, but some are helpful to do every day to kind of chart your progress and see just how God's working and moving in your life. So yeah, I would love for them to grab that.
0: That looks like an awesome resource friends. If you're grieving, you're looking for something that isn't just fluffy or too intellectual. i um, not saying you're not intellectual. <laughs> I'm just saying that might meet you in the grief, right? This is the, this is the kind of thing that will help you roll through that. So go pick it up. Uh, Carrie, thanks for being here. Is there anything you want to leave us with?
1: You know, I, just, I, I want to make sure people know that even, even when they have a hard time sensing God, he's still there. And, and part of my work as a spiritual director is helping women to recognize that. Like, I truly believe that God is, he's living and he's active and he's moving in our lives. And he doesn't always speak to us in a way that we want him to. But you know what? I'm an introvert and I don't always speak out loud either. But that doesn't mean that I'm not communicating somehow. And so just, it's looking for signs for him and just recognizing where he's at and, and responding to any invitations that he has for us. And so I just, I really want people to know they they are not alone. Like God is there with them in whatever they're going through. He's there.
0: Yes. And amen. I love it, Carrie. Thanks so much for being
1: All here. All right, Thanks, Eric.